How do you lead an organization and the people in it? My name is Desi Mayer, and I've been doing both of these for over 15 years. Now it's time for me to give back and help leaders across the country. In this podcast, I share the lessons that I've learned from competing at the highest of levels in sports and small business. Buckle up. It's time to lead. Hey, everybody. If you'd like to see a condensed version of what I'm talking about here in this podcast, just go ahead and follow me on LinkedIn at Desi Maynard. And if there's anyone that you think we should be connected with, tag them in one of my posts and we'll share. I appreciate you all. Now let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Desi here with the Lead Podcast. I've got my buddy Jake Diver on with us today. He is owner of Eater and Diver Insurance Agency. Look, he is just like you. He is a small business owner, an entrepreneur, a bootstrapper, an in-the-trencher, and that's what, who we're here to help. So I brought him on. I'm going to ask him some questions. I'm going to He's going to give us some golden nuggets of life, of business. No pressure, Jake. Um, thanks for coming on, man. It's great to have you. Thanks for having me, Desi. I'm excited to be here. So this is going to be fun, man, because we're just going to ask some questions. We're going to get real. Um, we're, I like to say that we talk about the stuff that not a lot of other people do. You know, the the reality, the 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 real parts of owning a business, of leading a business, of leading an organization. And my most important one and my favorite one, leading humans, you know, because that can be the most difficult part. Well, if there's one thing that I'm known to be, it's bluntly honest. So hopefully I'll, I'll be able to provide some blunt honesty uh, to the podcast. Love it, man. So let's dive in. Just tell us a little bit about you, your business, your team, how you got started. Just let the, let the audience know a little bit about you. Sure. Yeah. So uh, I'm in a uh, multi-line insurance agency. Uh, my brother and I are business partners. Um, we launched our agency about six years ago up in East Lansing, Michigan. I had just moved down or back up from Florida. I uh, was doing um, wholesale distribution and I uh, got tired of it. And so my brother and I decided to try something new and we didn't want to work for anybody else. Uh, our goal was to just be your own bosses and create our own uh, business and see what see what happens. And so six years ago, we I moved home and he quit his job and we uh, we started an agency with Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. And and we really had no idea what we were doing or getting ourselves into. Uh, to be quite frank with you, uh, the only thing that we knew how to do was uh, just put our nose to the grindstone and and get going. And uh, here we are. Six years later, we have purchased another book of business. Rick Eater is our now business partner. Um, and that is why we are no longer the diver agency. We are now the Eater and Diver Insurance Agency. And we have moved our location from East Lansing to Chelsea, Michigan. Um, and, uh, you know, we really wanted to build within a community. Um, and East Lansing's a little big for that. It's not really what I would call a true small town community, right? Mm -hmm. We're yeah. from... We're from an extremely small farm town in the southeast part of Michigan called Deerfield, Michigan. And it's two blinking lights. Uh, and <laughs> that's about it, man. Love it. Yep. Uh, I graduated with 30 kids in my high school class. We were one school K through 12. It's just tiny, tiny. We yeah. combined with another school for sports. Um, and so we wanted to be a part of a small community, maybe a little bit bigger than Deerfield. Uh, and Chelsea was a place that my brother and sister-in-law kind of fell into by habit habit they started dating were living really far apart and found a place in the middle and that happened to be chelsea 
And it's just a great small town. They have always something going on. Uh, in the summer on Thursdays, they do what's called sound and sights. Um, so they'll have about five or six bands playing around the town and they'll have a mo outdoor movie playing somewhere and they change up the theaters and where they're at around town. And it's just so much fun mm -hmm. to be a part of this place and this community. And that's really why we decided to buy here um, and and uh, and move our business forward here. Nice. So there's a couple of things that I heard there. The first one is, you know, I heard you say. We didn't want to work for anybody else. You know, we quit our jobs, so-and-so. Um, give me the why behind that. Why was that such a motivator to, I want to make this on my own. I want to kind of write my own rules, that kind of thing. Because I know there's a lot of people out there that are in that exact same scenario. I mean, heck, I was, you know, mm -hmm. and I, like, I was just like you. I, I didn't even know why necessarily I did it, but I did it you know, and how invigorating it was. And, you know, also pretty scary at the same time. So walk us through that. What was the reasoning to, to, to go on my own? Yeah, great question. So, um, you know, I was, my answer to that would be is I was raised by leaders. Um, my mother was an entrepreneur. She cuts hair. She has a uh, boutique. She has an online business. She's always trying, she has her hands in a million different pots and she's always trying new things and never scared to kind of fail. Uh, and my dad had martial arts schools growing up. Um, so they've always had their own ideas of what they wanted to do in life. Mm -hmm. And when I first finished college, I started working for a company and I realized very, very quickly that I did not like being told what to do, that's a terrible way to put it. But in reality, and I guess that's blunt honesty, is is I am uh, somebody that prides myself on doing my own thing. Yeah. And um, I didn't want to work for anybody else. Mm -hmm. I was uh, working for this company, working 65, 70 hours a week, yeah. making very little money, uh, you know, and it was like, okay, if I'm going to have to work this hard in my life, I'm doing it for me and nobody yeah. else. Yep. And I'm going to reap the reward of that and not the corporation. So that mm -hmm. was really what led me down the path of, you know, I want my own business. It's from the very beginning, Desi, from the time I went to college, I wanted to own my own business. I didn't know what that business was. Yeah. I didn't know if there'd be multiple, how right. it worked, but I just knew that I didn't want to be working for anybody else. I would rather create a team around me and put that together and see how it goes willing to take the risk yeah love it yeah so many people out there struggling with that same thing you know and it uh it's scary it's exciting and it it's worth every ounce of it but there's no doubt like you you gotta have you gotta have what it takes to lead yourself first because like you're gonna like there's gonna be a dip you're gonna like have to persevere through some hard stuff you know you said six years so I guess let's go there. So, you know, full on transformation, you know, just knowing you and a little bit of your background and, and being able to, to work with you a little bit through our networking groups is, you know, you've come a long ways. So let me ask you this, because I know there's so many people who are early on leading a small team. What are your current goals? What's the future look like? But more importantly, how do you develop and um, create kind of vision and mission as you move forward because I, I know for me 
like I got this far and this is a dream in itself. And I'm right. like, but now they're like, what's your 10 year vision? And I'm like, Oh, wow. You know, like, <laughs> I'm just glad we made it five years, you know, right. type of a deal. So talk to us a little bit about that. How do you develop vision? Well, I think first and foremost, it's easy for a business owner to be caught up in the day-to-day of things, especially a small business owner, and not think about five years down the road, 10 years, 10 years down the road, what it's going to be like, where you want to go. Um, so one of the things that we have done is utilized um, a book called Traction. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, we have been trying to implement EOS, which is the entrepreneurial operating system mm-hmm. into our business. Um, and and again, I do things my own way. My brother and I like to do things our own way. Um, so we're not following this to a T. It's, mm-hmm. it's we're letting it work for us. So part, part of that is creating a leadership team. So the one of the first things we did when we merged was we hired a, a operations manager, a VP of operations, as we're calling her. Her name's Murphy. She's wonderful. Yeah. Um, and so that gives us the ability to break away from the day-to-day, meaning we're not mm-hmm. focused on managing staff and processes procedures we're setting those up and allowing her to do that that's that's the biggest step for us i think in scaling the business and being able to really focus on what we need to which is driving sales back into the agency Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's our job our goal Um, so what we have done is we have a goal of how big we want our book size to get to within the next 10 years. And, and so we have set sales goals up to reach that level of income ultimately is what it is. Right. Uh, In the insurance world, everybody has a residual book and Mm -hmm. uh, based off of how big that book is, is how much revenue you can generate within that book. So uh, for us, it was setting up the business to be able to scale and grow And uh, so now that we have somebody in place to kind of head that up, Mm -hmm. now we're creating the processes and procedures and hiring the right team and staff to be able to achieve the goals that we are uh, striving for. Yeah. So you got a goal, you got a plan to get there. So now talk, talk to us about, and this is one of my favorite questions. What would you say is your leadership superpower? Like an example, like mine is basically action and perseverance. Like I'm going to do a whole bunch of stuff, whether it's right or wrong. (laughs) Right. And I'm going to see it through to the end. Like those are the two things. It's like, if you were to put those on my chest, like, which is hilarious because that's what my logo, my logo basically says that right. Action and perseverance. What, what would you say is your leadership superpower, you know, and how could that help another leader out there that's listening? Um, so this is a skill that I had to learn, uh, which is delegation. Uh, mm, I'm, I, I was a little bit of a control freak when I first got into the management business. Yeah. Uh, when I was in wholesale distribution, I was an operations manager. Um, and there was too much to do for one person. And I had to let go of the reins a little bit and, and, and be okay with that. And yeah. so that's a skill that I have learned over the last eight years of my professional career. And I've gotten very good at it. You know, it's it's giving them a, a direct path 
and then following up on that direct path and, and then keeping myself on track, right? So making sure that whatever I delegate, I'm also paying attention to, and it's not yeah. just off my plate. Oh, um, so good. Yeah. yeah. And no, there's so many out there that are like, I should delegate. And, you know, sometimes I, I kind of go backwards on it and I say, not backwards, but like inside out and say, you know, sometimes if you're not delegating, it's probably for a good reason. And it's the reason is usually one um, is I don't trust the character of the people who I would be delegating to. You talked about building your leadership team, right? Yep. And then the second one is I don't trust the competence of the people who I would delegate X, Y, Z task to or whatever it is. So I also, I find myself and and I think Rick is the same way as me, my one of our, our business partners is like sometimes it may just be more convenient for you to do it yourself than to take the time to show somebody else how to do it. Yeah. And I think that's a big mistake that you can make as a business owner, because the more you delegate and show people how to run your business, the less it's relied on you to, to be there and do those things. Yeah. And you have to be willing to, to let go. You have to be willing to take the time, even when it's not convenient for you mm -hmm. to stop what you're doing and to move over here and Hey, sh show this person how to do this. Um, you know, that we have a, a new person that we hired up at the front of our office, our receptionist, Sarah, she has been great since we've hired her. Um, and one of the things is, is she's always popping her head into my office asking questions or Rick and, you know, and it, she feels like she's bothering us. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's not the case at all. You need to come in here, stop me from what I'm doing, and I will take the time to show you. Um, the other one I always, I, I might not be super busy right then and there. And yeah. maybe it's like, I'll just get it done because I'm not busy when really this other person over here hasn't done this before. Mm -hmm. So it takes, it's better for my time to go show her how to do this than it is for me to just do it at convenience. Yeah. Makes sense. It, you know, they, a lot of, I think the myth is that, you know, delegation is easy and quick and at, at the end of it, like that's the result, right? It's not the, it's not the beginning. The beginning is actually pretty time consuming and a lot of work, right? Yes. But in order to do it well, you know, and I think that's, that's a, that's a key learn there and especially, and so has that freed up a lot of your time and helped you to focus on other things? Uh, yeah, yes. Well, learning that skill over time took a lot of stress out of my life. Um, you know, being willing to let go of the reins and delegate to, to my staff and my team. And, you know, we're nine strong now. So okay, it's, it's like, we have a big enough team and there's so much going on. You know, we may get a hundred phone calls in a day. You have to be mm -hmm. able and willing to pass something off, uh, and know whose role, you know, what we're really trying to do now is create certain roles for people. What is your task within the business? Yeah. Um, let them define that and, mm -hmm. and get them really competent at that because there's just so many levels and layers to the insurance world. It's hard for one person to know everything. Uh, yeah. It's about impossible, really. So yeah. you have to have them focus on a line of business or a certain product um, and get really comfortable and then they start to get confidence and from there they can build off of that yeah I mean what I, I think one of the things that I've experienced and observed of, of one of the biggest bottlenecks uh, or you know or miscommunications in business in organizations is role clarity people not knowing exactly what's expected of them 
You know, mm -hmm. we run we run this thing called a key result area worksheet, and uh, it is astonishing. It's like a one pager. It breaks everything down into like three to five bullet points. So it's really quick. It's really easy. But I mean, I think you've hit the the nail on the head of like you got to have a leadership team. And you got to lead them well, you know, and then they need to be clear on what everyone is doing and what yes. results are they supposed to get? I mean, oh my gosh, right. The, what is it? The biggest myth of communication is the illusion that it has taken place. <laughs> I've been so, saying that like all the time, run into leaders out. They're not doing it. Like I said, it's like, well, I'm sorry to tell you this, but then you didn't explain it. Like right. if they're not doing it like you want, then you haven't explained it. Well, I did. I said that three times. I walked them through. Doesn't matter. They did not understand it. Therefore, you didn't. Right. So you need to go to them. You need to make sure you're communicating on their level. So I, you know, I, I, I love it. Let's let's dig into that. Let's talk about communication. Sure. What would you say is the biggest obstacle or challenge that you guys face? either on your team and in your industry with communication in the workplace. And then how are you guys kind of overcoming it? Yeah, that's it. I would start off by saying communication is probably a strength of our organization. Love it. Um, we make a focus of it. Uh, we are meeting with our staff at least once a week. We're meeting as a leadership team twice a week. Um, so we make uh, an effort to always be communicating with each other and staying on top of anything that may come up, you know, any gas bubbles per se that come up that we are just unaware of what's going on. They come to the surface quickly and we're able to uh, act on that. Mm -hmm. um, but what can be difficult is we have some remote staff that work mm -hmm. from home yeah. and are not in the office. And during COVID and all that stuff, it was convenient and it was working well. And I still think for us, it does work well, but there is some, a few that, you know, I think they may feel a little distanced from the, from the organization sure. yeah. and, and it's hard to keep them truly engaged throughout mm -hmm. the day. Yeah. And so um, we are, you know, we're all in teams chats. We're always, we're just yeah. trying to communicate as much as possible, try and keep everybody engaged. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we do, I would say that if there is a miscommunication issue, then yeah. we nip it in the butt right away. We we okay. have the conversation right away and uh -huh. we don't allow things to fester and and cause issues. Yeah. What speaking of the remote thing, because I know that's a I mean that's a norm now. What what are some of the um kind of unique things that you guys have done or are doing to try to maintain or sustain that kind of connectivity? And connection with the team with your remote with your remote uh participants yep so uh that's part of murphy's tasks so murphy is our vp of operations yeah um she is she is really tasked with keeping the team together so she makes an effort to communicate on the phone with them a couple times a week making mm -hmm. sure that they're all their needs are met making sure there's nothing that's going on in their lives that needs to be addressed um so we really make a we we try to create what I would consider a family environment. I mean, yeah. our, our, we're in a small town, we're a small business. We want everybody to come to work and have a good time. It shouldn't be stressed out. It shouldn't be no fun. What the hell are you doing here? If that's the case, right? So uh, for us, it's giving the, the people that are not 
in the office, the ability yeah. to maybe go grab lunch, we'll send them lunch or flowers or, mm-hmm. hey, we're going to do a team activity and we're going to move our team activity from centralized Chelsea and we're going to work it towards one of their other houses. So that way it's close to them, easier for them to come to yeah. us, right? Um, things like that are always stuff that we talk about to try and keep people engaged. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. it's, it's a constant, that's a constant battle, no doubt. I mean, people are always trying to get creative with that and figuring out ways and asking their people. But I love how you guys, there's some practical uh, strategies right there. Um, mm-hmm. My favorite question. So I did this one time in a training and it was absolutely great. So it, the scenario is, is if you were to teach a, if you had your YouTube, right? It's a million, million follower YouTube. And you oh, were to Lord. teach, teach a YouTube class called how not to blank. So it's <laughs> like, what is your how not to blank? What is the thing that you are absolutely amazing at? That is definitely not a good thing that you can teach people. Like here's how not to control everything and be stressed all the time. Here's how not to, yeah, that that kind of thing. What would your how not to masterclass be titled and tell us about it? Oh man, that is that is a really, really, really good question. Um and I would have I next time I come on this podcast, I'm gonna need a lead up, like a list of questions with a lead up so that way I don't just blow this. <laughs> it's meant um, this is meant, this is intentional. <laughs> I want you to think um, off the cuff, knee jerk reaction. What man. would you teach? Here's how not to blank. Uh, here's how not to blank. So I think that one of the things that my brother and I and our team do really well of is attacking. And what I mean by that is, and and I think you alluded to it earlier, we are willing to go in the wrong direction Mm -hmm. and have to backtrack versus just being frozen with not knowing what to do. Mm, Yeah. And this happens, I think, a lot with business owners and entrepreneurs that maybe don't have a mentor or somebody to go to, and they may get put in a situation where they don't know what to do and they're kind of frozen, and therefore there's no action whatsoever. And that's probably the worst thing that you can do. You got to be doing something, even if it's the wrong thing, right? Mm -hmm. Failure is key. So I think what we have done a great job of over the last six years in business is if our backs are up against the wall, we don't just stand there. We go do something about it. So if if we're not quite at our sales numbers to hit all of our kickers, to make the most amount of money that we can, Mm -hmm. well, then we're going to put the nose down and we're just going to go at it. Whatever it takes, we're going to get it done. We have a no lose mentality and we're unwilling to give that up. And the first time I think we do give that up, then we're no longer going to be a successful company. We have to be willing to fight. And we are willing to fight. You said something there. You said failure is key. That's kind of an oxymoron. But I love it and I agree with it. Um, But let me get your take on it. Failure is key. Yeah. So if if I just stay on the wall, okay, and my back's up against the wall, and I'm not willing to make three steps to the left. Okay. Mm -hmm. For an example, um, out of fear of failure, then I have already lost. Mm -hmm. Okay. But if I am willing to take the first two or three steps left and let's say 
we open door one and it's um it's a fire okay whatever it is there's yeah. a fire in that room right mm -hmm. all right well we made an effort now we got to backtrack now we got to go to door number two okay and creating a path of of what's going to work and what's not and charting that right yeah so to kind of round this out failure is the only way to learn what not to do period and i could go ask a million different agents what they did and and try to follow their path mm -hmm. but that's not my path so i have to walk my own path and i have to be willing to to step into the fire or to step in the smoke room or step into the cold room or whatever whatever room it is right yeah. whatever whatever uh adversity you're facing that is going to be uh something that we're just willing to kind of put ourselves into put ourselves into that fire and whatever it is that comes out of it is what it is but man not doing it is just not an option yeah i i think it's so powerful because especially early on or when you first have you know your first handful of team members or whatever it is like you're gonna get froze somewhere like it, it's you're gonna i don't know what to do I don't know how many times I've stood up from this exact desk and been like, I don't know. Right. And then 10 minutes later, I'm trying something because <laughs> yep. I'm like, I don't know, but that's not the answer. Like the answer is go screw up then, you know? Yeah. And I think that is, it's, it's a, it's a dichotomy. It's a myth to break, you know, as a, an entrepreneur, as a leader, like you don't need to know all the things you don't it's what you need to do is be willing to fail to learn all of the things and i love what you said it's not you know we need these mentors and coaches you know and train like we need these people in our lives but at the end of the day it's still us that has to go do it that has right. to be our path right i'm a leadership coach you're an insurance agent there's there's plenty of both of those industries however they're not us and no one does it like I do it. No one does it like insurance like you do it. And there's a there's a niche. There's a there's a way. There's no here's the 17 step plan, right? right. That it's it's what I did. Here it's going to work exactly for you, right? It's the main reason why all of the stuff that I do is customized because every person is different. Every leader is different. Every organization is different. They have to find those doors, and you got to help them knock on those doors. And I, I just think that, you know, failure, especially in society, society today is so feared. And it's like the best things I've ever learned in life are because I screwed up, because I failed, because I missed, because I lost, whatever it is, because of grief, because of tragedy. Like those are the things that made me who I am. And mm -hmm. that those are the things that make every leader in every organization have that staying power. And it's like, but people shy away from it. They're so scared of it. I mean, just talking to a leader yesterday, absolutely paralyzed with fear of making the wrong decision. And yeah. I'm like, just go make all 17 of them. What's yeah. the worst that can happen? Well, I may be so, I don't know. And I'm like, exactly. You can't even come up with the worst that'll happen. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I remember yeah. when I jumped, I literally thought, what's the worst that can happen? I thought, well, I'll sell my house. I'll sell my house. I won't have a job, um, but I'll move in with my mom. And I'm like, okay, is that really that bad? 
And it's like, no, not really. That's not that bad. Like people have hit much lower lows, you know? And and then it's like, well, yeah, guess what? That happened. Guess what? I'm still here and I'm stronger because of it. And any other person you talk to about it is in the same exact boat of like, yeah, that thing, my lowest low is the thing that defines who I am. And it's now my greatest superpower. You know, that, and I, I just I just love it, man. Failure is key. That is the name of the podcast. We found our title. Thank you, yeah. Jake. This is amazing. Um, let's talk about let's talk about one more thing. What would be the advice that you would give to you know you two or three years ago, or to the leader who just hired their first three team members? Now they're now they're leading people versus doing the thing that they kind of went into business to do, right? Or they're trying to do both. What would be right. your advice for that young leader that has a small little team? Oh, that's a great question. Um, my advice would be that you need to hire the right people. Um, and you have to, and, and there's pressure in this, but you have to get it right. And you have to get it right, right away. Um, you as a small business owner only have so many resources Yeah. and hiring somebody is very expensive to do. And so making sure to do your due diligence in a hiring process and hiring somebody that fits your vision and is on board with what it is you are trying to do. You know, you get employees that have their own vision or things should, things should be done their way. And I think there needs to be some, uh, autonomy and what you do in a day-to-day uh, work life. But at the same time, they need to see what you're telling them. You And if it, you're not communicating, as you said earlier today, if you're not communicating it correctly, so that way they can see it, then you need to change your strategy. But anybody that you hire needs to see what you are telling very easily. It, yeah. it shouldn't be a, a, a fight all the time. Mm-hmm. So I want people behind me that see what's going on and are driving forward with me, right? Or yeah. or I guess from the other way around, I'm behind them, driving them forward with me, right? Flock of sheep um, yep. type of thing. Absolutely. But, but at this, you know, I think that if you miss on employees in the beginning, it can really put you back. And yeah. so my advice to a young entrepreneur, business owner would be when you get to the point where you're starting to hire, hire well, and don't be afraid to pay somebody what they're worth. It may not be what, um, may not be what uh, you want to pay them. Right. But at the same time, having a good employee is worth two. I mean, it's just the way it is. Yeah, absolutely. And I think honestly, that's for, I mean, a Fortune 500 all the way down to a three-person mod paw shop. Yeah. If you don't have the right people on the right bus and in the right direction and the right seats, I mean, it's half of what I do is fix those problems. And it costs people so much money. And they hire so fast, which is wrong. They need to hire slow. And then they underpay, which means you're never going to get good talent, right? And then you're not going to keep them long because they're going to get poached. Right. And then they take six months to fire someone that isn't the right fit. And it's like, you just made seven bad decisions. Right. And, you know, on being a leader, being an entrepreneur is like the game of make the least amount of bad decisions. It's not make the right ones. It's make the least amount of bad ones. Right. But I'm telling you, man, hire slow, 
pay them what they're worth. I mean, if there's a, such a thing as a hundred thousand dollar executive assistant, because that hundred thousand dollar executive assistant might might help make you a million dollars, right? And it, so pay them what they're worth, like you said. And then if they're not the right fit, get rid of them and get rid of them quick. Quick. Yeah. If there is a yeah. question, then get rid of them, right? Like hire slow, fire fast, get those people on the right bus, and don't just hire um, don't just hire people you like because that's not necessarily correct. And also don't just hire people like you because you already have you, right? You need people that supplement you, that that yeah. guide you, that do the things that you're not good at, right? So right. I, I think those are some keys. Jake, thanks so much, man. This has been an awesome conversation. Failure is the key. That is the concept of the day. You got to just move to the left and knock on doors. If no one answers, kick the door in. I love That's it, right. man. They, uh, right. Thanks, Jake, for, for coming on with us today. Um, and we appreciate you. And, hey, we hope you keep killing it. And, you know, obviously we're here to support you. And we're excited to have you back on for another awesome conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me, Desi. This was a lot of fun. My first podcast. I'm, I'm excited. This was cool. Heck, yeah. Well, you heard it. Go fail at something. Do it now. You got this. You will live through it. You will persevere. Go and do it. Have a par for there, everybody.